Good morning, benders and non-benders alike, and welcome to Republic City Dispatch, a radio program covering Nick.com's Legend of Korra series. This week, Iki, Janora, and Milo are tasked with a solo quest to bring back the Avatar. Zaofu is the only independent Earth city left standing, and Korra continues to search for the leftover poison inside of her. Are we ready to kick off this series' climax? Let's ask our hosts, Matt and Joanna. Hello, and welcome to another Republic City Dispatch. Many of our adventurers are off doing their own thing today, so it is just I, Matt Patches, and Joanna Robinson. Hello. Uh, here talking about The Calling. I believe this is the fourth episode. I'm lost in, a, in the blur of streaming-only Korra. I don't know what... I don't know what episode we're on. It all came so quickly. There's a video game out now. Oh, my. I'm just getting so dizzy. Um, <laughs> Joanna, I'm putting you on the spot. What, what happened in the calling? I don't know. Oh, no. I know. I'm, this is, I'm throwing this out here because we don't have summary master Dave here to spin it. But uh, I'm, I'm sure you can give us something. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, I want to say that I'm enjoying our stripped down sort of airbender kid episode of this podcast, where it's just you yeah. and me having an adventure. We're an adventure. <laughs> um, We're riding, so we've got... We have Pokey here and Pepper, the, the sky bison. Oh, yep, yep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but where was Pabu on this adventure? You know, if Pabu was Pabu really gave... alive and well and with the sky kids, he should have gone on this We're adventure. We're really riling people up here with this <laughs> Pabu talk. Actually, you're, you're absolutely right. He's been in the care of the airbender children. And right. But now we're going to be there's going to be like 18 screenshots that people are going to send us. Pabu was there all along. We missed him. (laughs) All right. So Iki, Milo and Janora go on an adventure to try to find Korra. And I think either it was the end of last week's episode or the beginning of this week's episode where there's some discussion. Yeah. When they're leaving, there's some discussion of why it's okay to send these children out into the wilderness. Um, Basically it boils down to they're about the same age uh, that the kids in Avatar were. And so, and and everyone loved that show. So don't be weirded out that these children are going on an adventure. Tenzin loved Avatar The Last Airbender. (laughs) So he's like, I want my kids to grow up that way. He binge-watched all of it, and he's like, all right, I'm in. Uh, So they go on an adventure. Milo hits on some uh, girl in in a town. Um, Janora is trying to do some meditations, but this is really – this is Iki's episode, in my opinion – uh, she wanders off in a huff at some point after some sibling strife, runs into two of Kuvira's guards, uh, bamboozles them into giving her some information and figures out that Cora is in the swamps. And macaroons. And mac- she gets, I mean, she gets a snack while she bamboozles these guys. It's pretty great. <laughs> Genius. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, meanwhile, Cora is trying to deal with everything. I, You know, you and I should talk a little bit more about this, about what the banyan tree did for her but but Toph takes her to a banyan tree which is connected to everything and all of a sudden Cora feels connected to things the kids can finally sense her they're reunited it's very tearful and lovely and then Cora in the greatest move of all time bends the poison out of herself out of herself patches and uh and then we're ready we got we got some ominous hints about 
Um, Imminent attack on Zhao Fu. There you go. Okay. So this is why Dan Gonzalez usually does these. Sorry. (laughs) No, I enjoy this exercise. Uh, Before we get too far into the calling, I did want to remind people that uh, each each week we put these episodes on our Tumblr, RepublicCityDispatch.com, where people have been commenting and reblogging and writing their own reactions and commentary. It's been amazing. Uh, So I would highly suggest going there if you listen to this on iTunes or one of your podcast apps. And if you've been enjoying the show and want other people who are really into Legend of Korra and Avatar to find it, uh, I would recommend leaving a review and a rating on iTunes. That's the easiest way to kind of get it out there. And whatever words you have, kind or not, we'll take it all. Uh, So do that on iTunes. Joanna, let's talk about the calling. Uh, I want to start with a macro point here because you are a television expert. You oh, no. Every single television show ever in the history of television. Ever, yes. Um, so I think a lot of people had mixed feelings about this episode because, and, and I'm, I'm citing some people here, they called it filler, um, an episode where nothing really happens, in quotes, definitely, because things happened. We watched a television show and then the kids, the airbender children went on an adventure. Um, Do you think that serialized television makes us more plot focused and aware that something, an episode can be filler or where nothing happens, quote unquote? Serialized television versus what kind of television? Just like X-Files, right? Uh, uh, Plot of the week. Oh, you mean so like, like, I watched the the pilot to Frasier. The other yes. day, which is awesome. It's a wonderful, yes. wonderful sitcom. But so I mean, good. there were like a thousand episodes of Frasier. And so that means nothing really happens in any of them. Um, slowly but surely, peach characters change. Um, but it'll be kind of be, you know, the fourth season of the 23rd episode, Frasier gets a, a new dog or something. Um, and th- these episodes don't really have a huge impact. And it's a slow evolution. Whereas serialized television is, becomes more plot focused, especially something like Legend of Korra that only has 10, 11, 12, 13 episodes in its season. Maybe there's more, we're more aware of what seems like filler. And yet I don't think I would regard this episode as filler. Uh, no, I certainly wouldn't. There's enough. I mean, if it had just been the kids and their adventures didn't intersect at all with our larger arcing plot, I I would see people's frustration. This is the last season, the last book we're going to get of Korra. People really want to know what's going to happen with Kavira and Zaufu, all of that. Uh, but we did get, you know, we, we it somehow looped into Kavira and Zaufu, and we got the, you know, triumphant end for Cora, so I think it was tied enough to the main plot. If it had just been the three kids and they never found her, then they went back to Air City and were like, well, we had an adventure, but it nothing happened. I mean, I could see people's complaints, but I think it tied in well enough that, that I don't really understand that. Yeah, and I hear what you say about serialized television. I can see that, but I just don't think there's a real... Pro- when done well, uh, a side quest episode... Uh, you know, this is just more time we get to spend with characters that maybe haven't been developed well. I always think of, I know you're just starting to watch Buffy, but there's a famous episode called The Zeppo, which is just Xander's episode. And um, I always like those episodes where someone, you know, a side character gets their moment to shine. And Iki, of all the kids, has has been the least developed. And so the fact that she got to be pretty cool in this episode, I, I loved. Yeah, I didn't really have a personality. I would not be able to describe Iki to you. Before. And now I'm like, loves macaroons, can bamboozle dumb people. You She's know? the best. She's, <laughs> She's apparently great. the best. And we would not have known it unless we got this side quest 
episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think because I saw some people saying, like, why didn't we do the whole Korra training and bending out the metal in kind of one big swoop here? Um, but I think by taking the side quest, we have to realize the, the significance of what Brian and Mike might be exploring by putting the camera on the kids. And I think the kid relationships and family is really important here to progress, you know, to balance, perhaps. Um, being, being, having family, having people that you love is kind of essential to Cora being able to accomplish her goals. I don't really know if Cora could get to the same emotional place or it would have the same resonance if it was in one big swoop with just like Toph encouraging her, or as I like to call it, uh, being her soul cycle instructor. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you didn't get emotional when those kids showed up and Cora was crying and hugging them and they complimented her hair, then you're dead inside and I don't know what to do with you, so... That is true. Yes, you are dead inside. Um, I, I, I mean, I was. I mean, that. I don't love the Milo character. That's not my You're favorite character. Not a character. Milo fan. Okay. I appreciate that. That's a kind of character that we get a lot in. I mean, I guess it's like Baby Bolin, but um, I but love he's a little Bolin. Meaner, right? I mean, he Milo is kind of a. a a lame guy sometimes he's yelling oh, at yeah. people and he's forcing kind of the worst and he threw the food in the river and eating poison and vomiting i mean farting yeah <laughs> i guess the best way to beat a killer vine is to fart on it <laughs> i love when uh i think yeah janora was like do you remember when he was cute and he's like nope not really <laughs> like no I, and i get I it oh well, i I've never had a younger brother, so I don't know. But I was about to ask. I didn't want to get too personal, but I, I didn't know what your sibling situation was. That's so funny. Uh, I have an older sister. I'm the, I'm the baby. I'm You're the youngest. The to, uh, the, to the no, general. I'm the Milo, I guess, because I'm the I'm the youngest. But oh. what about you? I have. I am the oldest. I have. Oh, you're sister, the Janora. So I identify with Janora. On so many levels. I identified with Iki. I, you know, even though that is supposed to be the middle child syndrome. Sort of thing, and and I I heard a lot of people say that they captured the middle child frustration. That's interesting. Very well. I don't know that either, perhaps, but I don't know what about middle children. I may maybe that scene where she goes off into the forest and she's muttering to herself. She's kind of like um, Jan Brady. Yeah. In that moment, Marsha, Marsha, well, Janora, Janora, Janora. Well, exactly, and I mean that's true of the whole series. Is we've gotten a lot of Janora and we've gotten some Milo comic relief, and Iki just sort of blends into the background. So. I'm glad she got her her Zeppo episode. Yeah, this is becoming more poignant than I thought <laughs> at first. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think the writing here ends up being really strong and entertaining. You know, it's not throwaway gags. It all seems to serve this exploration of the family dynamic. Um, this woman, Katie Matilla, wrote this episode, and she wrote Old Wounds last uh, book, the one with Sue and... Uh, Lynn, the flashback episode. Oh, um, she so does she, siblings. Yeah, she does siblings. She does sisters. And um, I, I just thought this was like really on point in terms of how children act and how they act with each other and how the family bond becomes a little stronger, even if you dislike people or you're bickering. You know, you'll, you love your brothers and sisters at, at the end of the day. And, and then if it's that bond that really bolsters Cora into taking the right. final steps she needs to take, then it's important. I love them. Yeah, when they all hug. Man, that was sweet. That it was, was very sweet. emotional. Um, well, let's let's talk a little about Cora here. And d d does this pay off to you, or does this feel like a stretch? I think maybe what people, why people feel this is a filler episode, is because 
We started last week with, okay, Cora, you have poison in you. You're trading. Get it out. Get it out by yourself. And now we've gone on to this second episode. But, uh, and yes, of course, she goes to the, the tree, the, um, the Banyan Grove tree. tree. Yeah. It's the uh, element that was introduced in Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, and who knows what it really does. I guess okay, the roots so well, of the world so are connected to it. <laughs> That's that's what I wanted to talk to you about because I did feel like I was missing a step having not seen all of Avatar. Um, I know that undermines your earlier statement that I've seen all the television ever, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I really loved the part where Toph, you know, floats forward all the former villains, and she's like, "What are they teaching you? You know, what about their ideals were correct?" And what was misguided. I thought that part was really interesting. But when she's like, we're here at the Banyan Tree. Now you're connected to everything. I was like, that's a shortcut. I don't understand how you just are at the Banyan Tree and all of a sudden you're magically connected, connected to people. Connected to everything. Maybe, well, maybe it's, it's the idea of the Banyan Tree. Or maybe the tree connected her to the kids. <laughs> and then the kids being there are what got her that final emotional step. Because I didn't feel like she had any emotional breakthrough before she touched the banyan tree. So it's just the banyan tree is a magical object. So why did Toph feel she was well, ready? it seems to amplify her spiritual presence. Mm. Right? So she, she touches it and it sends this kind of surge of spiritual energy. And then finally Janora's spidey sense goes off. That's so funny. I was going to say bat signal. So we'll just, <laughs> we'll just use all our so comic So many Superman yeah. or superhero references. Um yeah, because before she goes to the banyan tree, yeah, Toph has that speech where she just comes out with it. She's like, so, these villains, their uh, ideologies went too far. I'm like, wow, that is a very – their ideologies went too far. It's kind of on on the nose a little bit. Um, and I, 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 I can understand if people have felt that this part of the story has been repetitive because they keep showing these flashbacks of the old villains, which is cool because it's – Well, I of, thought they kept – have they shown him on before? Did they do that before? Well, they did it at the end of last season, too, when she's chained up. Um, she's, like, chained up and hallucinating, and she sees Amon, she sees Unalak, she sees Vatu, and then, obviously, uh, Zaheer is poisoned. Right. Her. Uh, but now she's kind of doing it again. I don't think she's had such a uh, clear flashback or, or vision of Amon, you know, taking her bending away or... So do you sucking think, her soul out. Do you think they're leaning too hard on this? It's all connected. Like the first three books are really just past as prequel to this and it's all going to come together. Do you think they're pushing that too hard? And, and do you wish that they would let us make that connection? Ah, oh, this connects back to Unalog. Ah, oh, this connects back to Vati rather right. than floating it in our I'm in glad our that faces. it's not so connected. It's really only connected in a spiritual way, right? But we don't know yet. We don't know yet if at the in the final confrontation Cora's gonna have to call on the lesson she learned from Unalak and Vatu and Zaheer. I love I hope that know? there's a big battle with Kuvir where she's like, and this is what I learned from a monk. Yeah. And this is what I learned Bam. from Unalak. <laughs> exactly. And Zaheer taught me this. Never to doubt. Um I don't think it's like that. I think what I I don't think so either. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh I wish it was a little more insular. I wish that she was dealing with something either directly tied to Zaheer or something that felt very concentrated in the now as opposed to being sprawling and kind of tying it back to all the other books. I mean, I understand the motivation there because I, I like that it's all been building to something, that they want this story to feel that, that Korra has a life, 
you know, in a background, that she doesn't live in a vacuum. It's a nice idea. I think they're leaning on it pretty hard, especially here and having these flashbacks again, and to have kind of Toph come out and say, ideologies went too far. Um, and yet, of course, I like that because that's just true, right? That's that's the morally complex discussion uh, that's true to life and true to many people in the real world. So clearly that is, that's my that's my jam. Uh, but, right, and that is interesting that, I don't know that Korra has ever reflected on the positives of her enemies. What I don't <laughs> really know is how it might relate to Kuvira. What do you think about that? Or what this really has to do with balance. Does someone's are are Zaheer and Aman out of balance? I don't. They don't really explain. Well, that's what that the too meant. far thing, right? Well, I guess okay. if you go too far, then you're out of balance with your with your ideology. But can you uh, not go far enough? Like, is there a middle ground? What balances it out? I guess having no ideology is bad. Too. Well, so what's how not do we dis- how do we distill Zaheer's ideology? Like, what is well, he what what Toph says is that he wanted freedom for everyone, so right? He and then for freedom, and he probably did some good things because he didn't believe in the Earth Queen, and the Earth Queen was bad. And then Unalak and Vatu believed in they wanted spirits back in the world, spirits and back in the world, spiritual, which is positive because people the spirit world exists, and people should be in tune with it, perhaps. And Amon wanted equality for the non-genders. So it's like. Liberté, égalité, spiritualité. Like, I, I feel like these are going to, all those three ingredients are concretely going to come in somehow to Korra. You don't think so? Or do you think it's just no, the No, it absolutely is. is. Kuvira is basically the combination of all of these people. How can, she wants to rule this entire world under her thumb, which in her and mind And take means... away freedom and equality, though, right? No, because if one person rules all and everyone lives by one set of rules, aren't they theoretically... Like, but that's equal. in direct opposition to what Zaheer wanted, right? Which is no leaders at all. Right. Everyone can just run free and do as they please. The anarchy. Mm. Um, I don't know exactly how Korra will balance things out, but I guess now that she can turn into the Avatar and, and wallop Kuvira, <laughs> that'll be a start. The Avatar um, state looks even better with her haircut. I don't mean to harp on this, but it really is one of the best. No, this parts was your this was season. your big thing when you when you saw the reveal <laughs> of the haircut, you lost it. There were like eighteen emails just in a She's row. like <laughs> She's like the reverse Samson. Now she's cut her ponytails. She just feels more powerful to me. So Uh and, and that, that scene was really beautiful where she's performing I guess I it looks like Tai Chi. And she's backlit by the fire. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a beautiful moment. And then Toph gives her a hug. Yeah, that's, that's and Toph happens. put them in like a little walnut made of rocks, and was like this poison will never. I mean, that was an interesting way to dispose of the poison. I know. I'm like, isn't there? Can we just get rid of it? <laughs> Why do we have to keep it in that walnut rock? Um, I'm I'm still team Suyin might have left that poison unintentionally, so I will you go down are. with it. Just you know, to, just want to check on this. You, just, you really... just for, just for fun, just to have a theory to <laughs> we cling need to, to. Have a wanky theory. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, we don't really know what is going on. Um, I, I don't find anything in the season to be telegraphed, perhaps in the way that the Zahir book last season was, or anything that was happening in book two. Um, I disagree because didn't we 
basically know that Kuvira was going to declare herself the leader and that the big confrontation was going to be at Zaofu. Like, we saw that coming, right? Well, first off, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know of the big confrontation. She's going to <laughs> Zaofu, but we don't know what's going okay. to happen. We haven't touched the uh, the banyan tree and connected to the rest of the world, and we didn't. <laughs> okay. we can't see everything right now. Um, right. But I'm also wondering, like, I just don't believe there can be a big fight. It would seem very strange, especially considering this conversation she had with Toph in this episode about going too far or have to reeling herself in and balancing out. And uh, the, They have to have a conversation. They have to have a sit-down. The diplomacy here, right? This can't end in a brawl. Uh, you know, it's true for some reason I thought this was a shortened season, like eight episodes or something like that. I think it's just because... Boardwalk Empire's eight episodes this season or something. But uh, if we're only on episode four, and there are 13 episodes, so saith the wiki, then um, we do have a long way to go. There's some twists. And she sound, yeah. it sounds like uh, the battle in Zalfu is imminent. Uh, Zalfu will fall, probably. So that'll be our mid-season yeah, some big battle, and then something even bigger to come. Like, I can't, I don't know, I can't imagine. It's too Involving crazy. Asami and airships. Oh, I hope so. And I, I need a little Asami. If that's the problem with this episode, it's it's. That was my no favorite comment. I think it was on RepublicCityDispatch.com dot com where someone said, oh, "Asami was great in this episode too." <laughs> <laughs> the Just ongoing. talking about the the general criminal underuse of Asami this season. So I mean, it's almost forgivable for me because there's so much female power going on with Janora and Iki, especially in this episode. And Well, oh. no, but it doesn't even need to be gendered. It's just Asami. I like that character. No, you know? so do I. So do I. I'm, I'm, I'm just glad to get time with those kids and that this felt like a real Avatar The Last Airbender episode that was really yeah. silly and little kids bickering and trying to figure out how to go on an adventure. And you may relate to this uh, because oh. you watch Mad Men. Uh, but I can't help but connect Janora to Sally Draper. I mean, obviously, Kiernan Shipka does the voice, and she plays right. Sally. But, like, the way she looks like Kiernan Shipka, the way they draw Janora, she just looks like her. And I just binge-watched Mad Men. And there isn't you, a whole lot of You got all this, the way through? Yeah, Mom caught oh, wow. up. Um, right. And I, there's not a whole lot of that Sally taking care of her two brothers dynamic. But what there is re- just reminds me a lot of this episode, and perhaps that's just because they're both well written. I was more reminded. Relationships. I was more reminded in the previous seasons when she was cl- clashing with Tenzin, because that's the Mad Men dynamic, mm. right? It's Sally and Dawn clashing. And this season, when she's like made peace with Tenzin, then it, I don't know. It seems less to me, less Sally. Did but you, did you have a particularly um, a, a moment that you enjoyed of this kind of travel log? There were a lot of scenes in the first half of this episode that really didn't matter, <laughs> like Milo meeting this girl and all, all of this stuff. You don't know. Maybe she's going to be really important. <laughs> That's true. She came. She gets such a moment. You almost wonder what if she'll come back in the end. Maybe Kuvir will attack wherever she lives, and Milo will get to save her and give her a smooch. Um. I'm just grateful that Kai was not along for the journey because oh, they could have done that and it would have been not great. Yeah, where are Kai and Opal? We we saw them in the first episode. I haven't seen them uh, since. Um, and Aang, um, someone on Tumblr posted a side-by-side of Milo talking to that girl and Aang talking to some vendor girl in the original series and it matched up pretty well. So I think it was probably a little nod to that, I, I would expect. I hope he was talking to Katara because if he wasn't, it's... 
it's like cheating. No, I don't think it was Katara. Yeah, I think I it was someone else. I know. <laughs> I know. Pretty shady. Um, I guess I'll go with Iki flying with the little with the little flying squirrel. Like her, her and her little flying outfit zooming along. It was pretty great. They both have flying squirrel powers. Yeah. They don't really do a lot of fighting in this episode. Maybe that's why people are like, give me more action. No, but Iki uses her brain. There's the great... So when those... Actually, this is my favorite part. When the, when Kuvira's soldiers have her tied up, there's a quick frame right at the beginning of that scene where she pulls her arms out of the ropes that you see that she's not really tied up. Right, and, and she's she, like, looking at the map in. and being like, here, we got to go here. No, no, no. Before that, like before oh, really? they even did, like right at the beginning of the scene, she like pulls her hands out of the ropes and then puts them back in. So right from the very start, Iki was like, "I'm just sitting. I'm sitting. I'm here because I'm letting you have me sit here, He's just so that I can get information from you." So. They were they were nice guys though. They weren't. They weren't. Uh, in service of a questionable master, and they weren't they gloating about taking down Zafu. That's not what nice guys do. Yeah, but you have to. Un- you have to imagine that there have been soldiers in evil, quote-unquote, armies that are excited about the work they do. You know, their job is to take over the world. I'm not, right. saying, I'm not <laughs> saying that there were nice Nazis. That's not what I'm saying. I, but I was I, there say, may but I was have been. This week on uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there was a, a HYDRA agent who was like, I can't wait to kill everyone. <laughs> so cheerful and excited about his work of killing everyone. Well, he's so. going to have a performance review at the end of the year, and he wants <laughs> yeah. it to go well. You have to be excited for your work, people. If if we learned anything this episode, it's be committed to your job. I guess so. But I will say that, that their fondness for macaroons uh, really did endear them to me to Where a certain extent. they get macaroons in the Avatarverse? This is a strange crossover. Well, all right. What do you mean? I don't know. It just seems like, isn't it a very French thing? I guess someone would have been making macaroons. They have I, coconuts I there. There was There's that whole island. I do like that uh, we did get to see Cora's photo up there with Aang's photo at the so little sad. seaside shack. Yeah. That, that actually, that's what's nice about going on an adventure with the airbender children and seeing a world that doesn't remember the Avatar. I really liked that. When they, they talked to the one guy who's like, is or we have an avatar? I thought that was over. I didn't think she was coming back. Why are you looking for her? Um, and it's kind of a throwaway bit, but I thought I thought it was kind of potent uh, in in talking about the role, this pressure that Cora feels like. If there's anything she's going through, it's not really about flashbacks. It's 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 not about being haunted by the past. I think it's being about being haunted by the responsibility and the role she has to play. And clearly there is a lot of emphasis on her and a lot of weight about what the Avatar is and what it means. Um, and no one really knows. <laughs> and that's uh, that's encouraging. She'll she'll be able to come back and, be, and redefine what, what being the Avatar is all about. And figuring out the best way forward. Like, what is... I mean, if we want to... And I know you do. If you want to tie this back into how do we... As, as a political body, deal with a post-war world. When there's been a huge shift in power, how do we, let's say, as a power like the United States, what is our level of involvement? What is our responsibility? And this is the conversation that Kuvira and, and Suyin had. It's like, what? at what point do you step in? At what point does the Avatar step in and to what extent? Like the idea that Toph is flogging is balance. But how do you know where the line is so you don't become an Amon or a Zaheer when you're trying to put the Earth Kingdom back together? 
And how do you know which berries will make you vomit? <laughs> you feed them to your little pet first and then watch and see if he vomits. Yeah, I'm oh. not advocating that, guys. I really am not. I just want to know where Pabu is. That's all. That's Pokey, all. Pokey took his place. <laughs> uh, well, maybe, maybe we should wrap up this episode. Were there other, any other little things, moments, um, comedy I'm bits a- here that you enjoyed? I won't say little moments. I will say, though, that if you want to check out the creators, Mike O'Brien did a, a Reddit AMA. So Ooh. I don't know how fearful you are of spoilers or not. But, um, I, you know, they don't spoil anything. It's just some people prefer to remain completely pure. But uh, you might want to check that out. The one thing I will say is that they did they did say we haven't seen the last of Toph, which is great news for everyone. Oh, yeah, because people were curious about how who the baby daddies were. Yeah, right. That's interesting. Well, I feel like Toph has to come in and reconnect with her daughters, and probably this battle in Zalfu is a good Maybe, start. or, you know, like, I would believe it if she just stayed in that swamp. She's like, did my job! Well, she didn't jump on Pepper, yep, yep. Um, she went back go. into her cave, and she's like, ah, peace at last. She's a great character. Yeah, which really looked like, I'm now on board with the Yoda comparison. It took this many episodes for me to resist and then and, and crack, because her Divindra hunch is so exactly... Sad. <laughs> like Yoda's hut. It's exactly is so sad that he's not here to gloat. Uh, I know. He um, I was reminded of the in the never-ending story. You know how there's mm. like that the, that old couple. I was reminded of them. I always get them confused with Billy Crystal in the Princess. Bride. Oh, <laughs> serves the same function. Patch up our hero and send them on their way for right. their quest. So <laughs> never-ending story. That uh, you know what the um the air bisons kind of remind me of the uh, the luck dragons the lucky dragon or yeah. luck dragon what's his name it's an F name Falcor Falcor oh Falcor yeah. the luck dragon yeah it's just all these big huggable flying beasts snuggly more thing. fantasy film TV <laughs> whatever with huggable fluffy guys because that's adorable um how about but, you patches is there a little moment before we wrap yeah, up I'm trying to. It's really little things. Like, I'm loving the design of this book more than almost as much as book one, which is what I really treasure. But just little things like when Janora is meditating in front of this monkey statue. I'm like, ooh, a monkey statue. What is that? <laughs> like, what iconography is that recalling? Or what does that mean in, in the culture of this world, this evolved world? Um, that just gets my imagination racing. Um, and I, I, what I really loved was when Cora touches the banyan tree is it banyan tree yeah uh and jeremy zuckerman the composer kind of strikes up this old cue from avatar the last airbender if we if there was any question that this was a throwback episode to those days um kind of incorporating this peace theme that we've heard in avatar the last airbender into this moment it's just like you feel the whole legacy the whole world is connected because the past and the present they're all one and they all live in the banyan tree apparently and well, so music you, tells us that do you think Korra will be able to connect with the avatar line is that what we're headed towards i don't know if she will it would feel that would feel odd to me maybe 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 i would be okay with that with an explanation that they can never go away because like i said past and present is continuous <laughs> we were time here a, all along yeah. we were just over here <laughs> over here we were carrying you. Uh, what I would love is to see a new line begin, you know, that Korra could be the beginning of a new Avatar legacy. And maybe you kind of the last scene is all these new Avatars springing up over the next hundreds of years or something and seeing 
Korra kind of starting whatever this new Avatar line is and whatever this role means in the world. That would be really fulfilling to me, not necessarily kind of dredging up the past and reconnecting, but establishing something new, a new balance. New balance! Sponsored by New Shoes. Balance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think that about wraps things up for this episode of Republic City Dispatch. Joanna, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, wearing you New can, Balances. I'm wearing my New Balance shoes. You can find me blogging at VanityFair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. Or you can listen to a myriad of podcasts that I do that I'm going to be trying to post on my Tumblr, Matt Patches style, uh, which is called uh, mirthandlaughter.com. Oh, my God. I can't spell that, but I'm going to Google and get autocorrected and... Uh... <laughs> Um, ooh, you have a Tumblr. I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow you. It's and, brand new, uh, so don't expect I'm one. And I am Matt Patches. I have a Tumblr, as Joanna mentioned. It's mattpatches.com. Pretty easy. I write all across the internet and try and put everything on that page. And I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. Do you? Did you say Twitter, Joanna? You're on Twitter. Kids are on at, Twitter. At Joe wrote this. I think I did, but uh, I don't mind double. I don't know. I can't. I have that memento problem. <laughs> Um, we should get on Vine. That's where the, the cool kids hang let's, out. Let's Snapchat this podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and remember, RepublicCityDispatch.com with all the new episodes. And we're just rambling now. So until next week, farewell. <laughs>